Love you guys. Michael's our other half sitting in the back back there. Just a good friend of ours. But we love you guys. Love you too, Pastor. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to have a seat if that's okay and teach you guys. Um, does this bother y'all? Yeah. Okay, good deal. Um, Doug, is that correct? Um, I appreciate what you shared and what you said and what Chuck had to say is um, it's exactly a, a really good foundation for what I'm going to be saying this morning. The first scripture that the Lord gave me was John 17, 3, and that is to know the Father and Jesus Christ whom He sent is eternal life. And that word to know, it doesn't just mean like what Chuck was talking about, just to, to know who somebody is. It's a very, very intimate word. It's the same word where Adam knew Eve and bore a son. That's a very unusual word to put to know Jesus and know the Father, isn't it? And that's because we think with our carnal minds. God says don't look at what you can see, but look at what you cannot see. For that which you can see is temporary. And that which you cannot see is eternal. And that's one of the things I want to give to you today is a gift. I want to impart that unto you. God said that whatever He's given me, I can give it away. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And so in the name of Jesus, I say, receive your sight and receive your hearing. Right now, this day. To see the unseen, to see the eternal, to see the kingdom of God right now. See, the kingdom of God is already here. It's right here inside of me. And it's right there inside of you. God is not lost. You don't have to go find Him. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere at all times. That means even if you make your bed in hell, He is already there waiting for you. Why? Because He knows what you have need of before you pray. I was riding down the road one day driving and I got this turning in my stomach. You know, He is the eternal all one. But I didn't know that. I thought that other things could turn my stomach. But if God is eternal, He turns all. God is. And you know what all really does mean? It really does mean all. It doesn't mean all some of the time, all part of the time, all when you feel like it. No, all means all. So even though I did not think that that turning was God, guess what it was? Isaiah 45, 7 says, I, the Lord God, form light, which means that He squeezes it out. You ever feel like you're under pressure being squeezed? That's not the devil. He was your former father. And when you give him credit, you're actually worshiping him. You've been adopted. Christ reconciled you unto Heavenly Father by way of adoption. You were of your father the devil who was a liar from the beginning. See, we don't like to say that, do we? Because it sounds creepy. But if there was nothing to redeem you from, why, was it, why did he die? Why did he suffer? If, he, if there wasn't a purpose for it, then he suffered in vain. See, he suffered and he died and he rose again to restore us unto Father. Malachi says that God was going to send the spirit of Elijah to restore the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. If you go search that out and really look it up, you know what it really is saying? It doesn't just mean you're going to reconcile with your earthly daddy. That you're going to have a good relationship. 
As a matter of fact, most people don't have a good relationship. If you do, thank the Father for that because it's very rare. But what it really means is God's going to waken you up to your identity of who you already are. See, God's not waiting for you to get good so He'll love you. God's not waiting for you to get it right so He can bless you. He will bless you while you are yet sinning. God will draw you unto repentance with His loving kindness. I had a husband and a wife, uh, well, they wasn't a husband and wife when they came to my office, but years ago, I had a couple who had been uh, living together for nine years coming to my office. And they said, uh, we heard you was a preacher girl. I said, Jeff, that's all you heard. That's, that's, I'm surprised. I said, I'm a preacher girl. Why, what, what's going on? Well, we've been told that God couldn't bless us because we're living in sin. What do you think? And I said, I believe, uh, be ye like your heavenly Father is perfect, that He reigns on the just and the unjust, and God will draw you into repentance with His loving kindness. I said, I tell you what, I'm going to lay hands on y'all if y'all okay with that. And I'm going to ask, Father, bless you right now while you're yet sinning. We've been told that's why we can't get a house. It's because the devil's got us. I said, who's the devil? I'm sorry, who's who you talking about? Oh, you mean the conquered one? The one that's already been, like the finished, the one that's finished? You mean the one that's under my feet like a cricket? Look, I've never taken a, mach uh, a machete or a machine gun or a grenade or anything to blow up crickets. Have you? So what are we still doing fighting grasshoppers? I'm a little bit confused. So I laid hands on them and I blessed them and I asked Father to give them more than they could hope or ask for. They've been turned down seven years in a row for a house. They got more than they could hope or ask for. More land, bigger house. And they, they said, well, you do, uh, you, you, do you think we're sinning? I said, um, you know, I did apply for co-holy ghost a few years ago. And uh, God told me he was not looking for a... You know, a partner in that. And so he told me that as soon as he was looking for a co-holy ghost, that I qualified. I'd be the first one to give an application. And I said, how about we just let Holy Ghost do Holy Ghost job? And how about I just owe no man nothing but to love him? How about that? So God blessed them with this house. And then two weeks after they were in the house, they called me over and they said, um, would, would you mind, we'd like somebody to bless our house. Would you come bless our house? And I said, absolutely. I got there and they had one of the, well, um, I know you're a preacher girl and everything, but would you have a glass of wine with us? I said, yeah, you saved the best for last. And so I had a glass of wine with them and I prayed over their home and they said, we have some good news. Um, we want to get married. Would you bless us before we get married? Nine years of condemnation by Christians. And the, this young couple came in wondered, does God love me? Does God love us? God is, Jesus is the king of the broken hearted. He's not the king of the already fixed up and got it well together. As a matter of fact, he said, I didn't come for those who were well. I came for those who were sick and in need of a physician. What would be the greatest Father's Day present we could give God? I'll tell you what it could be. If you would believe who He says you are. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. That He did not count it robbery to be equal with God. See, because if you could ever figure out your identity, 
your eyes could be open for you could see who you already are, the earth would stop groaning and start rejoicing. The Bible says that the earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You are the son and daughter of God. Wake up! The earth is groaning, waiting for us to wake up. Imagine that, a groaning earth. Anything in your body groaning? Any joints groaning? Any body parts not working very well? That too is the earth groaning. We're so busy thinking it's the devil or a spirit of infirmity. Let me tell you something. If a spirit of infirmity is in here and the, and the bride of Christ is in, that spirit of infirmity is going to turn around and run, tuck tail and run. Why? Because she knows who she is. That's what ravishes Jesus' soul. In that song, Song of Solomon, he says, turn away from me for your gaze and your eyes ravish me. You ever been in love with a man? Talking to the women right now. Women, you, I mean, men, you ever had a woman in love with you? Let me tell you something. I'm in love. And I am smitten. I'm so in love. My knees can get weak at the sound of His voice. Now, whether you realize it or not, I'm talking about two people. No, I don't believe in polygamy. But Jesus is coke. He's the real thing. He's my husband. And God has graced me with an image like unto him and my husband Michael. I can look in that man's eyes and my knees can go weak. When he speaks to me in a certain tone on the phone and I'm in another state, I said, Sir, Mr. Bertone, uh, you are getting in trouble. You better not talk to me that way because I'm going to get on the airway, you know, round trip. I see I can't talk. I get all fumbled up. Why? Because that's the mystery of Ephesians chapter 5. There is a mystery in Ephesians chapter 5. And what is that mystery? A wife and her husband and the church and, and Christ himself. Christ and his bride. Let me ask you a question. If we can't understand earthly things, how are we going to understand heavenly things? Newsflash, we're not. Too many of us give up too quickly before we find what the mystery is that is unveiled in the marriage, in holy matrimony. We give up too quickly. We give up. We give up and we miss the mark. See, we think sin is drunkenness and revelry and adultery and all those things. Those are lasciviousness that is the result of missing the mark. See, to miss the mark is to miss the flag, to miss the sign, to miss the monument, to miss the wonder, to miss the, uh, the, the, um, the miracle. To miss the calculation. It means to not figure it out. So what is it that we're missing? What mark? Where's the flag? Where's the wonder? Where's the monument? Guess what the word monument means? It means your memories. Sometimes you might hear people call them triggers. Oh, that was a trigger that made me do something. That was a trigger that made me feel nervous. That was a trigger that, that got me all uh, riled up. No, that was a monument. Don't miss it. Figure out why it's there. Have you ever wondered something? Don't miss the wonder. Why? Because God is full of wonder. He's the God of wonder. He's wonderful and He can't wait to unveil your wonder. Do you understand that? See that when you have a wonder about anything... 
You ask, and God unveils whatever it is you're wondering about. Why? Because He's the God of wonder. Do you know what Solomon means? Solomon's temple? It means an asking temple. The temple that asks. Ask, and you shall receive. There's a problem, though, in the church. We've been asking and asking amiss. Have you ever asked for something for 20, 30, 40 years and still ain't happening? Have you ever done all the do-good stuff? You've done this and you've done that and you've done the other thing and you've done some more of this, that, and the other thing and you still get more of this, that, and the other but you don't get the real. That's because we're busy doing stuff. See, to do stuff over and over again is to do-do. Oh, you heard that? And duty is not love. Duty is not passion. Duty is not I'm ravished because I can't even look in your eyes because I'm so in love with you and I'm so smitten. I can't, I can't stand it. You take my breath away. Why? Because you are my breath. Recently, I heard someone talking about if we would just read the Bible more, if we would just pray more, if we would just do this, if we would just do that. You know what I said? I, I bought somebody beside me. I said, get smitten. If you get smitten, you don't need anybody to tell you to go read your Bible. Why? Because you're so hungry, you can't get out of it. As a matter of fact, you'll forget to go to the bathroom. You'll forget to eat. You'll forget to drink. You'll forget to sleep. Why? Because you will be smitten. He takes your breath away. Why? Because He is breath. And you figure out you don't even need your own. Adam and Eve, we are still doing exactly what Adam and Eve done in the very first and third, one through three books. Go read them in Genesis. Let me just explain to you a little bit about what's happening. I have yet to meet a couple this has not happened in. Yet. I met over, with over 440 people just last year. I see almost 10 people a week. And I minister to the heart. Out of those people, I ask probably 80% of them, what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? And, and Nancy can be my witness and anybody else that's been in there with me. Do you know what they say seeking the kingdom of God is? Read their Bible. Going to church. Praise and worship. Fasting. Tithes and offerings. The only one they get right is pray. Because in order to seek the kingdom, you have to ask what's in the kingdom. So if I said, go seek in my car, and you took out a manual and read about my car, or you started talking about my car, or you started looking for other cars that look like my car, I'd be saying, what the heck are you doing? I asked you to go look in my car. Well, yeah, but this looks like your car. It even kind of smells like it because it came out of it. No. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And here's that word. And all things shall be added. And guess what? All really does mean all. Like I'm not kidding you. That's not an accident. That's not a, a, a fluffy word. No, it's real. All really does mean all. There's no such thing as lack. Did you know that? And you can't be late. Why? Because I am time. 
Angela, how dare you? That's blasphemy. No. Remember the scripture I quoted a while ago? Let this same mind be in you that was also in Christ, that he didn't count it robbery to be equal with God. Then guess what? I'm past, present, and future. I am time. I can transcend time. I can send my angels to transcend time. And they do. And they obey. And matter manifests. Why? Because heaven declares a thing, but the firmament or the earth will unveil it or make it manifest. See, we keep waiting for signs and wonders to happen, but we are just do-doing stuff. That's, that's what we're doing. We're just doing things. And it's not working for us. It's not going to work. Adam and Eve did the same thing. Let me just give you a little bit of a snapshot of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve was created Adam. That means mankind. And Eve was already inside of Adam when God created him, them, male and female created he, them. That was before he took her out. So they were already one. Then God put Adam into a trance. You know, just on a side note, I never saw it say he woke him up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I looked. I'm like, oh, no wonder we're still sleeping. Wake up, O sleeper. Arise and shine, my beloved, for your light is gone. So he puts Adam to sleep and he takes Eve from the inside using a rib. And then if you go look up that one, when Adam said, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You know what he really was saying? Crushed bone made into fine powder like talc. It's the word contrite. It means to be crushed into nothing. To just dust. And then flesh of my flesh means blood. Now remember that, dust and blood. I'll bring it back to you in a minute. So he takes Eve out, and, and Adam's really excited about it. But he misses the mark. He doesn't understand. He thinks it's something on the outside of him that's going to make him whole. No, it's a picture of what's already still inside of him that if he could go back inside of himself where the kingdom of God is and seek first the kingdom of God, it would give him the similar, same kind of pleasure that it does in the natural when he becomes one with his wife. It's an image. It's the tangible. It's the temporary. It's not the real. That's what they missed. But God wasn't like confused. He didn't make a mistake. He said it wasn't good that man be all one. A-L-O-N-E. So I'm going to make them separated or divided. Why? Because you can't have multiplication without division. Did you know that? Just do two into ten, put a five at the top, and try to make that not have multiplication in it. You can't. Now try to multiply and not have division. You can't. It's not possible. You can't add something and not have subtraction already implied. Guess what? You can't have a positive without a negative. You can't have a multiplication without a division. They exist just because the other one exists. Just like light. You know that you can't have light without darkness and behold it. The Bible says even the darkness is light unto God. And God says He hides His treasures there. But we run from it. Why? Because we're ignorant. My people perish for lack of knowledge. This is, this is so basic foundation. So Adam and 
believers standing at this tree that they're not supposed to eat from. By the way, God knew they would. I asked God, I said, God, if you knew they were going to do it, why'd you put it there? He said, Angela, everything that I created unveils me. It reveals me. Go read Romans again. And Angela, I have the knowledge of good and evil in me. So when I breathed me out of me, me had to manifest and all of me had to manifest. Go read Isaiah 45 and 7. So see, the knowledge of good and evil had to manifest in the garden. Why? Because it's already in God. But there's another scripture that teaches us how to not eat from that tree. And it says, trust the Lord your God with all of your heart. Guess what's in there? Your tears, your passion, your ravishness, your emotions. All of them and all means all. And you, cut, you cannot cut out a part of your emotion and expect the other part to be there. So guess what? If you have a negative emotion, it just means there's a positive one there. You just don't know it. Because you've got tunnel vision. You've been using your own eyes. You've been using the eyes of the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong. Because Eve is our grandmother and Adam is our grandfather. And that DNA is still inside of us. And that's not a bad thing. It's the very thing that will keep us humble. At least we exalt ourselves above God and the knowledge of God and be just like the devil. So it's a gift. It's not something we need to get rid of. We've been taught that. But that's to get rid of a negative. If you get rid of all negative, you will cease to exist. An atom cannot exist without a positive, a negative, and a neutral. And it's always seeking balance because of the atomic weight. That's what it does. That's how it works. That's what it is. And guess what the negatively charged ion does? Runs around and around and around and around and around. Have you ever done that? That's what it does. Hey, Nancy, will you sweat either way you run? So if you run that way, you're going to sweat. And if you run that way, you're going to sweat. Yeah, guess what? If you run to your emotion or away from your emotion, you're still going to sweat. But inside the kingdom of God, you get all these things added. When you run outside, you get nothing but more misery and more running. And when that, when whatever you run into wears out, you'll have to find something else to run to. When that wears out, you'll have to find something else to run to. When that wears out, you'll have to find something else to run to. And I don't care if you have five husbands and the one you have, it still won't satisfy. You could have a hundred. You could have a hundred wives and it's not going to satisfy. Why? Because that which you need is not on the outside of you. It's already on the inside of you, which is where the kingdom of God is, which is what God tells us, tells us to seek first. And then all these things shall be added. All means all. Guess what perfect love does? How much? Are you kidding me? Pastor, I'm not sure that's true. Does anybody in here believe that God loves you perfectly? Raise your hand. How many in here has any kind of fear at any time? Raise your hand. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Chuck, I think you lied. Now, I do know what to do with fear when it comes at me. Uh, and I used to not know. I used to rebuke it. Now I taunt it. I do. Am I telling the truth, Nancy? Michael Burton, am I telling the truth? Fear knows my name. You know what my name is? Misery is Jesus Christ. That's my name. 
I took my husband's name when I got married, and the natural, my name is Angela Bertone. Sister, I'll tell on us a little bit. We were all at Mama's house one day, and they were all calling themselves Kesada girls. And I said, I'm not a Kesada girl. And they said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. I'm a Bertone. And they said, no, you are. Don't you say that. And I said, so is Mama a Kesada? And they all said, yeah. I said, oh, no, no, she's a Lee. See, I'm not saying I'm not my father's daughter. But leave and cleave. And I've clung to him. To carry his name is an honor. I love my daddy. And I'm glad of my heritage. And I love my mom. And I even have my mama's middle name too. Because I'm Spanish. And Spanish people have like a thousand names. I didn't know that. I thought everybody had a thousand names. And then whenever people would laugh at this Latino jokes and stuff, I was like, why are they laughing? And then I figured out one day that not everybody had a whole bunch of names. Right? But my husband's name is part of who I am. And when you figure out who you are, fear cannot do to you what it used to do. Why? Because love, perfect love, casts out all fear. Did you know that your brain was kind of like a puppy? That you can tell it what to do and it will mind you. I can say, sit, ubu, sit. Roll over, play dead. I didn't know I could do that. I just thought I had to fight with my brain and wrestle with it. And cast down vain imaginations and do all this stuff that never seemed to work. And then I figured out that my brain don't have control over me. As a matter of fact, I am to lean not unto it. So let me teach you a little bit about that word lean. Because that's what Adam and Eve were doing in the garden. You thought I forgot about them, didn't you? I didn't. I'm just setting you up. To lean means to bow the knee. It means to genuflect. It means to worship. It means to pay attention to. It means to give breath to. It means to give it preeminence or life or honor. Isn't that what worship is also? So when we lean unto our frontal lobe, reasoning, intellect, opinion, perception, we're actually worshiping ourselves. Trust the Lord your God with all your heart. Lean not unto your own perception, your own idols, your own carved images, your own expectations, your own figuring out your yesterdays. I mean, your today's from yesterday. Could somebody come hold the mic for me for a minute? I'm going to show you what the letter, what the word hiss means. Okay, so Eve is eating from the tree, right? And do you know that when it says that she saw that it was good before she gave it to her husband? So guess what that implies she had to do before she saw that it was good? She had to eat from it. Because, see, that was the knowledge of good and evil. So she couldn't have even seen that it was good had she not eaten from it already. So she saw that it was good. So why did she see that it was good but Adam didn't? Because Eve is a negative. She's, she's absent. She's, she's a receiver. She's a place that needs a seed. So when she received from the fruit, she actually received positive and saw that it was good. So then she gives it to her husband and then they see they're naked. They see that they're both absent. Why? Because Adam was a positive and he saw negative. Take a magnet. You can't put a negative in a negative and you can't put a positive in a positive. You've got to have one of each. 
So that's what was happening. So the, when you look up the serpent deceived them, it literally means uh, the letter S with an H in front of it. So it's like this. And there's a double S. Why? Because there's two people. Right? So when you breathe the breath of life on something, you, you give it life. That which is dead, you give it life. So look at the letter S. I'm going to give you the first part of it. Look what direction it's facing. It's facing your future. Look at it when you look the letter C and you put it facing the other direction. You put two C's together. Here's one C. Here's another C. Put two C's together, one on top of the other, raise one above the other, and you get the letter S. When you give breath unto it or you give honor to it, it's... And if you look that word up, thank you. If you look that word up, it actually means your learned experiences. So serpent means looking at your future through looking at your past learned experiences to know what to do. Wow. Don't believe me? Get your Bible. Look it up in the Hebrew. I've had to show this to many people because like, Angel, that can't be true. Yes, it is. Go read it. Don't believe me. Get your own manna from heaven. Go, get, go dig and ask, be Solomon's temple and then transform into David's temple. Pastor Shay, you know, I just love her to pieces and I wish she could be here with us this morning and she's not able to. But um, she, she picks at me a lot and I love it. And she asked me one day, she said, Angel, do you know everything? I said, no, but I know the one who does. Do you have a question? And sometimes she'll ask me a question. I'm like, I don't know. That's a great question. I've never asked it before. Let's ask. Have I done the same thing with you, Nancy? Nancy would ask me a question. I'm like, Nancy, I've never asked that. That's a good question. Let's ask. How long did it take for the answers to start coming? Like just within a few hours, right? All of a sudden, the answers just start coming out my mouth. I'm like, I've never heard that before. That's so cool. Many times I'm preaching or teaching and I get brand new revelation pops right out my face. I'm like, oh, let's record that. Ugh. Why? Because I've never heard it before. You really can lean not into your own understanding. That is real. And you can trust the Lord your God with all your heart. Guess what's in your heart? Your emotions. You mean you can trust your emotions? Yes! Ezekiel 36 is real. If you don't believe in Ezekiel 36, go ahead, open your Bible right now, rip that page out, put it in an envelope, address it to heaven, send it to God the Father and tell Him He made a mistake. He said, I will take out your heart of stone and I'll put in a heart that's not almost like flesh. No, I'll put in a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh. You know what You can't trust your heart, it's carnal, it's fleshly. What are you talking about? That's the promise. It's supposed to be fleshly. It was a stone. Now I needed to make, be made flesh. Why? So it can feel because that's what flesh does. See, there's really only one sense you're supposed to be paying attention to. Do you know that you are the body of Christ? Guess what out of the five senses, what sense is on, does the body interpret? I'll help you out touch. It's feelings. The head has the ears, the eyes, the nose, and the mouth. 
There's four measures of testing. See, that belongs to your head. And Christ is your head. You're not the head. You can't trust your eyes. That's what Adam and Eve did. You can't trust your ears. That's what Simeon did. Did you ever know that the, the 12 tribes of Israel, did you know that his sons, like uh, Reuben wasn't very blessed and Simeon wasn't very blessed? Do you ever read those? Do you know why? Because they want Reuben means eyeballs. It means man's perception. Simeon means ears. It means man's perception through the ears. They were actually cursed. But we keep trusting in these things. Why? Because there's a right one and a wrong one. I mean, a I'm sorry, a left one. Two ways of hearing things. Two ways of seeing things. Two ways of discerning or smelling. But only one voice. And so when they ate from that tree of knowledge of good and evil, one saw that it was good. When he ate, they both saw that they were a void. And they ran because they were a void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it was without form and a void. And God said, let there be light. See, what you don't understand is you're supposed to be the void. You're the bride. What good is a man's seed if he has no woman to deposit his seed? Can he procreate? Can he have a heritage? No. Why did God create man? So he can have sons and daughters. What is the earth groaning waiting for? Us to be the sons and daughters. It's waiting for us to figure out who we are. It's waiting for us to figure out our identity. And when you figure out that you are the receiver. Now the good news about a receiver as a woman, we are not only a receiver, but we are a giver. What does man do? Man gives his seed to woman and woman gives it back again. So actually, simultaneously, I'm a giver and a receiver. That's why Adam was still mankind and Eve was still mankind. Uh, their outward bodies just gave revelation to what those two things are. But I'm already male and female. I'm an inside and outside. And I'm not, I don't have a gender problem. I used to. I used to think that I could get the answers and I could give the answers to myself. That's a gender problem. See, when I thought I could get the answers from here, that's a gender problem. I thought I was the head and the body. No, I'm not the head, I'm just the body. Mary Christ, I wrote a poem, I said, I found a rock, and I did beat my head off. And I said, don't have pity on me, marry me and be my head. Why? Because I figured out this thing don't work. It gets me in trouble. It makes me run from God. It makes me feel like I'm a failure and all this other kind of stuff, and, and I run from it. But when I trust the Lord my God with all my heart, all of my emotions, every single one of them, I trust God with my emotions. They don't lead me astray. They actually lead me into all truth. But we've been taught just the opposite. When Brian Simmons came up here, I was, I, look, I, I was if I could, I'd done backflips just for days. Because he talked about the emotion. And he talked about how important they are. He talked about passion. People used to tell me, love is not passion, love is a commitment. I said, well, keep your piece of paper. I want passion till I die. You keep your rules and regimen. I want to stay in love with that man until I die. And I, I, when I get to heaven, I still want there to be marriage. I'll have a problem with that. <laughs> Maybe since we're already one, we won't ever be divided. We'll just walk on him when we get there. I don't know. But 
That's what we're supposed to be like in the earth so we can show the world what the bride looks like. Do you know what the bride looks like? Love. Not fear. Not fear. Love. The bride looks like love. Had a woman come to my house the other day. Very young woman. She was given up for adoption when she was two. She, I didn't know it. I, most people come to my house are already Christians, but I didn't know she wasn't a Christian. She didn't walk in and say, hey, I'm not Christian. But I'm speaking the word to her, talking to her, and after about, I don't know, 45 minutes or so, she says, um, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time looking at you, paying attention because of this cloud. Do y'all see that cloud? And we're like, no, we don't see a cloud. And I said, what's it look like? She said, well, it's coming down from the ceiling and it's coming up from the floor and all I can see is your face. Now, I don't know, but she's asking me, do you believe those miracles are true? Do you believe the Bible is true? I don't really like Christians. I hate religion, blah, blah, blah. Now, I didn't know that she didn't believe in miracles because I'm talking to her and she's asking, the miracles manifesting right in front of her face. But we can't see it, but she can. So I began to do the emotional shift thing. I don't know what else to call it, but shifts do happen. You can laugh at that. That's funny. <laughs> I'm doing this emotional shift with her. If we could say doo-doo, I didn't say a bad word, but you thought it already. Yeah. And so I'm working with this woman who's a broken heart. She's given up at two years of age. A lot of other things happen that just this woman is so broken and I asked her after she told me she didn't believe in Jesus and didn't believe the Bible was true and all that I said well I don't mind if you don't believe do you mind if I do believe she said no I don't mind I said great I'll still give you everything that I have before we were done I asked her what she thought about Jesus she said I'm in love with him never prayed the prayer of sinner's prayer Never did the Romans road to salvation. Never did any of those things. I introduced her to the eyes of Jesus. God gave her a spontaneous vision. She went into the throne room. She saw Jesus face to face. Her mother was uh, killed by a serial killer. She was a prostitute. And she saw Jesus restore her mother and forgive the serial killer. And she said, I didn't know Jesus was like that. He's love. I said, he sure is. Not once did we try to get her to do anything. We just loved on her and showed her the love of God. Her body was healed. Her low back was, uh, was injured or hurt or something on a scale of uh, 1 to 10. I said, what number is the pain? She said, a 9. I said, would you like Jesus to heal that? She said, yes. I said, he will. I laid my hands on her back and she was healed. Miracles should be happening in our life every single day. And I can promise you, if you'll figure out who you are, use your eyes, not the one here, the ones in here. Jesus said, is your heart still hard? Do you still not see? Is your heart still hard? Do you still not hear? See, your eyes are where you and Jesus are connected. What that song say? Where two hearts have become one. And when your hearts become one, 
miracles manifest. Why? Because this is heaven and it manifests in the earth. You want to see signs and wonders? You want to see miracles? You want to see God show up every day? Get in the kingdom of God. And you will see them every single day. I'll spend just a couple minutes talking about miracles. Why? Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. And the blood of the Lamb is the emotions of God. Blood and emotion is the same exact thing. Blood, oil, and emotion, they're identical. They're just different dimensions of each other. Oil is the, is the, uh, the blood of a plant. That's why they used oil. Emotion is the blood of your spirit. And physical blood is the tangible blood that you can look at and examine and learn about so that you can see and understand the unseen blood that you can't see. Where's the life at? In the blood. So life is in the emotion. Dunamis is in the emotion. Not just one motion, not just the fluffy emotion that feels good, but in the negative and the positive. Because every time you're in a negative emotion, it actually means you're a receiver at that moment. And that you're drawing to you a positive just like a magnet. That's what's happening. Person after person after person gets up off of the... I, do, I have a massage table where it sounds kind of creepy. I don't really care. But they, they lay on a massage table and I anoint their feet, I anoint their head, I anoint their back, and I go into their heart. And, I, and that's what I'm doing the whole time. I'm seeking the kingdom of God. Where? The kingdom of God that's right there in that person in front of me. The Bible says, he who seeks the heart knows what the mind of the Holy Ghost is. People say, how do you know that stuff? I said, I don't. The Holy Ghost does. I'm just tapping into it. But Angela, every time you say something to somebody, how do you know they were into music? Or how do you know they like cars? Or how do you know? I don't. I just say what comes to me. It just so happens the Holy Ghost knew that. And then they tell me afterwards. Did you know that's what I did? Did you know? Did you know? I didn't know. I'm not getting words of knowledge. I'm not getting like a prophetic word. That's not what it's like. I'm just feeling it through my emotions. I might hear a sound or I might have a vision or I, whatever. But whatever comes to me, no matter how weird it is, I just say it. Because I'm seeking the kingdom. And whatever I see, I say. Did anybody else say that? Did y'all know? Have y'all heard anybody? I don't see him say anything unless I hear the Father say it. I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. You know why I'm sitting down? I saw myself sitting down. I said, Father, what are we doing tomorrow? And I saw myself sitting down. So I said, okay, that's all I saw. So I just sat down. Because that's what I saw. Nancy would ask me many times, you've accompanied me, what, 40, 50 times now? And working with people seeking the kingdom, right? That's what we do. We seek the kingdom and signs and wonders and miracles happen. And while we're seeking the kingdom, she's like, um, I forgot my train of thought. Oh, how do you know? How do you know those things? What are you? What are you doing? How, how? How do you see this stuff? I'm like Nancy. It's, it's in inside. It's in my belly. It's in my heart. It's not here. It eventually comes up to here. But remember, Christ is my head. So I don't understand it half the time. Maybe more than half the time. I don't understand it. But I, I don't. It doesn't matter that I don't understand because I'm not supposed to lean under my own understanding anyway. See, when I lean under my own understanding, that means I'm worshiping myself. That's the same as an idol. I do God. Look at the, look at the word idol. Do you know the letter L in, in Hebrew means God? It's spelled E-L, but L, like Elohim, El Shaddai. So I means I, D-O means do, and L means God. 
So when you <laughs> lean into your own perception, you're doing God. You're trying to be God. You've raised up above the head and you're acting like God when you really are not. You're one with God, but you're the body part. The whole body part, not the head part of the body. I've had people ask me, well, what, well, what body part do you think you are? I'm like, what? Well, what part of the, of the body of Christ are you? I said, well, maybe I'm the pinky toe, maybe the elbow or the derriere. What part are you? <laughs> Does that irritate you? I'm sorry, it just irritates me to elevate one body part above another. Don't ask me what part I am. I'm whatever part he wants me to be. Well, what is your anointing? Well, sometimes I have the jackass anointing. What about you? <laughs> Do you see how that esteems people? Don't esteem me. No, don't esteem me. Don't esteem you. Don't esteem somebody else. Don't, don't esteem each other. Why? We're already one. Jesus prayed, Father, I pray that they be one in me and you even as we are one. See, if we're all one, there is no elevation. There's only one name that we should be concerned about, and that's the name of Jesus. Why? I remember years ago, I, uh, there was a bunch of stuff going on in the newspaper about women's lib and all this stuff. and So I wrote to the editor. And I wrote all kinds of things about how awesome it is to be a woman. And I signed it, Mrs. Michael Berto. I got a letter back from the editor. He loved it. They published it. But there was all this stuff about how we shouldn't take our husband's name. We ought to be real women. No, it's an honor to take my husband's name. It's an honor to be a wife. To not love being a woman is to not love being the bride of Christ. See, the bride should be a beautiful image of weakness. What is the weakness? The weakness is knowing that I can do nothing. The weakness is knowing that I am emotional. The weakness is knowing that I can't even lean under my own understanding because it don't work. The weakness means He's going to hold my hand, which means my heart, and He's going to hold my waist, which are those things I think I failed at. See a waist? And that's how He guides me. By my heart and my waist. So you think your failures are a waste. No, they're not. They're the things that remind you that you need Him. They're the very things that keep you humble. And if you'll go into those things, those are the very things that will wake you up. Let me read to you Lamentations uh, chapter 3. No, Lamentations, yeah, Lamentations 3, verse 17 through 21. Because I remembered my misery, my wormwood, and my gall. Now in those, I don't remember which one it is, but one of those words means my judgments. Because I remember, when I remember, when I do remember these things, I am humbled, which by the way means marriage land. So if you want to get humbled, get married. Right? That's funny. You can laugh. And then it says, and my hope was restored. You want to leave the wilderness? And get into the marriage land? Let me tell you how to get there. First thing you have to do is complain a whole lot. After you've gotten all your provisions met and you go round and round, just start complaining. Anybody got that one down good? Oh, good. So then you're going to get bit by a bunch of snakes. 
That's the last stage that you go through before you entertain it. Oh, come on, y'all don't like this. Well, then stop complaining. I'm telling you something you're good at. You can be good at this. You can complain. You're probably really good. I know I was and am at times. Till I feel the sting on my ankles. Ay, ay, ay. Right? And then Moses goes and says, Are you going to let all these people die? And he said, No, just pick them up and put them on a stick so they can see their forked tongue and their beady little eyes. And then they'll be healed. See, do you understand that the snake on the stick is us, the ones we've already lifted up in our complaining? That's us. That's not the devil. Go study it. It means when you complain based on your judgments of what else is going on, because you're still eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil where the snake hangs out. So once you see yourself as everything you've judged, because Matthew 7 is real, Lamentations is real, when you remember your judgment and you see that you are that, you're humbled. The very next stage is going through Jordan. Jordan means the abyss. It means hell. It means the valley of, of the shadow of death. Go through the Jordan and then you land on Canaan. Canaan means humility. It's the marriage land where the grape's bigger than your head because you can't figure it out. Milk and honey are flowing and there's no man to milk the cow and the bees are already gone home. That's in Isaiah. Right? So how is it, what is that? The very first thing you have to conquer. And then I'm going to see what the Lord wants to do in, in, the, in any kind of ministry. But the thing that, um, that they had to conquer once they got in the land of Canaan, which of course they had to conquer the snakes, which was themselves, and they crossed the abyss, they'll do all the hard stuff. Then they get on the land of Canaan. They have to conquer Jericho. Now the wall of Jericho, was it destroyed by hands? No, what was it destroyed by? Praise? How about sound? A shout. After how many days? Seven. Seven means a promised oath. Do you know that Bathsheba and seven is the same word? I'm just going to throw that out. I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to get you hungry. I'm just going to dangle a piece of cheese if you'll go after it. It means oath. A daughter of oath. It means a promise. A promised rest for the bride. That's what it means. Jericho means your perception. And that was the one city they could not take any spoils from. If you take any spoil from your perception, you're taken from the battle of Jericho and you are already accursed. And you'll bring curse upon the whole land. It's not our perception. He's the head, we're not. Marry him. Cut off your own head. Cut off your identity that you figured out you are from the time you were a little boy, time you were a little girl. Your identity is the same as Adam and Eve. Let me tell you what it is. Afraid of being alone. And don't know your father already loves you. And you look outside yourself to another person to be made whole. I did that in my marriage. I looked outside myself to my husband and I made him my God. And instantly I made him a failure. Why? Because he can't do God. And when God showed me that, broke my heart. And God also told me, he said, you want to see what your marriage looks like, Angela? 
Look at your marriage between you and your husband and you'll see the exact image of mine in your relationship. And I was like, oh no, Jesus, me and you get along good. Me and you do not get along like me and Michael. Yes, Angela, you do everything to me that you accuse him of. You are the accuser of your husband. And you've made him your God. You're trying to get him to make you feel whole. You're already whole. And when you figure out you're already whole, you will no longer be codependent or an independent bee. I'll let you figure out what that word is. Because see, once you're tired of groveling and being codependent, you run to the other end and say, well, I don't need you. I'll do this on my own. I'll show you what it's like to not be cared for. And then who would want to be around that? It would be better for you to be on a rooftop than in the house with a dripping mouth. That was me. Poor Michael. How did he put up with that? He says, patience. I say, earplugs. <laughs> but he stuck it out. And I think he's quite happy that he did. I know I am. He is happy. I know he is. Don't you want that? Don't you want to give that away? But it, it didn't come through me and him working out our relationship first. That's not where it came from. It came from me getting my identity through Christ and him alone and being filled and really figuring out that Christ is really right here inside of me. I was worshiping God one day, had my hands up like this. I'm looking at him and saying, God, I need your presence. I need more of you. And I'm reaching out. And God rebuked me. He said, if I came out of you and stood in front of you and let you kiss me on my cheek, I'd be further away from you than I am right now. You don't believe I'm in you. I said, oh, yeah, I do. He said, no, you don't. I'm like, oh, God, I don't. And so I'm already in you. Wake up to who you are, people. I, I want to, I asked the Lord if He would give me a way to do some things in your heart today that could change your life forever. See, if I give you the Word of God and no, no demonstration of power, it's just my word. I tell people all the time, if what I'm telling you is true, the earth will have to declare it. If the earth don't declare what I'm saying, don't believe it. I was preaching in Buffalo, New York, and I told them that. And I was preaching on the number 16. Yes, the number 16 is interesting. It don't look like it from the surface, but it's got a lot of information in it. So I'm preaching on the number 16. The temperature drops to 16 degrees. Exactly. I'm preaching another day in Denham Springs, and I'm teaching on the number 2. It's an interesting one also. The number 22 and the number 11, which is 22-22. And while I'm preaching there, it's on 122. And her, her, her address is on 1022. And I get three messages from this church that night. Somebody's sending me 22-22. Isaiah 22-22. So I'm preaching on the ilium of the hip bones where the SI joint is in your spine. Because the sacrum and the SI joint, that's what S means sacrum and I means ilium. And you actually have two iliums and they connect. So ilium means twin. And it means two. And remember in Song of Solomon when Brian was teaching, he talked about um, my, my, my sister, my twin. Well, he said, you know, we don't really want to marry our sister. Well, some people don't. But we really don't. It really means counterpart. It means my equal. It means one looks just like me. It means twin. It means the same kind of cloth. Not your cousin or not your sister. Okay, so now we've got that out of the way. 
But I'm teaching on the ilium. And after I get done, I said, let me tell you something. Don't believe anything I said unless God testifies with a sign and a wonder. I put oil on somebody's head and smoke come off, came off of her head. Two people's ileums got healed. Their pain was on a scale of 1 to 10. It was a 10 and a 12. One lady, both ilium joints got healed. Another lady, one ilium joint got healed. And then we were having brunch on that Sunday after the weekend was over. And I said, somebody pull up earthquakes and see if we had any earthquakes. They said, Andy, we have earthquakes every day. I said, oh no, six or above. We had an earthquake that day in Ilium, Alaska. And it wasn't just one earthquake, it was a twin earthquake. And it wasn't just a twin earthquake in Ilium, Alaska, but the woman who looked it up had a son who lived in Ilium. See, it has to testify. The earth must testify. Why? Because heaven declares it and earth does what? Proclaims it. So I'm not perfect. I know in part and see in part. So if I preach the truth, the earth is going to have to testify something. If I, if I don't preach the truth, the earth can just keep growing. Right? So the truth has to manifest in the body. So what I want you to think about for a second, this is Father's Day. And Father, what, what better gift for Father to have for you to figure out who you are? So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about being a little boy or a little girl. And I want you to go to a memory where you did not feel loved by your earthly daddy. Maybe it's the feeling of neglect. Maybe you feel insignificant or unimportant. Maybe you feel stupid. Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel alone or unworthy or like you just will never measure up. I want you to see that memory as a seed that went into the ground and died. That it was a hope that you had. That your father would love you a certain kind of way and for whatever reason he wasn't able. And I want you to see yourself as maybe being four or five years old. And I want you to imagine your child at four or five years old. And is it possible that you made your child feel the same thing? Is it possible that your child's ever felt neglected by you? Is it possible that your child ever feels unimportant or like they'll never measure up? Maybe your child feels like a disappointment. I know I've done that to both of my children. And now I want you to look at Heavenly Father. Does Heavenly Father love you the way your daddy did? No. Heavenly Father loves you perfectly. As a matter of fact, whatever you did to your children that made them feel neglected or abandoned, or whatever you did that was exactly like your dad, I forgive you. I loose you from your judgments and I loose your children lest they become the same and treat your grandchild the way you treated them. And I forgive all fathers on earth and I forgive the sons for judging them. And Father, I put the balm of Gilead upon your children. 
Father, I ask that right now you would reveal your love. You are a good, good Father. Father, we've heard a thousand stories of what people say you're like. But I've heard your tender mercies in the dead of the night and you tell me that you love me and I'm never alone. I want you to imagine what it felt like for Heavenly Father to beat Jesus. Anybody in here ever beat their son? Anybody ever beat him with words? Anybody in here ever make their child feel abandoned? Allah. Allah lama sabachthani. And you've tasted the Father's heart. If you feel like you've let your son or daughter down, you've tasted what the Father felt because He beat Jesus for us. So that when we did those things to our children, we wouldn't be alone. And Jesus was the child. So maybe you were the child that were beaten. Maybe you were the child that was broken. And Jesus says, Father, when I get to earth, beat me. Don't let my bride suffer alone. Let me feel what she feels. Let me feel what my sons and daughters feel. Father, on the earth, at least they suffer alone. See, you've never suffered alone. You just thought you did. You ever cried yourself to sleep and thought no one was listening? Jesus was in the garden sweating blood and He still goes there. He showed me there's a room of remembrance and every time you feel alone, He goes in that garden with you. That's where He goes. And He doesn't just weep. He sweats blood. Remember the scripture that says if you sin willingly, you put Jesus back on the cross? That word sin means miss the mark. If you misunderstand and you think that you're abandoned, Jesus goes back and relives being abandoned by His Father on the cross. Jesus goes back and is beaten again. He goes back and is rejected and, and denied and forgotten and and falsely accused and betrayed. Every single time you go into a memory, you do not go there alone. Jesus goes with you. Can you taste that same bitter cup that He drank up? If you can taste it, that means your heart's one with His. If you can swallow that and believe that Father is using even your darkest moments to transform you and show you how much He loves you. Because see, it's easy to, to reign with someone, but it's difficult to suffer with them, isn't it? Imagine this. Jesus, before time began. And He says, Father, look at my bride. Look through the portals of time to see. She's going to be abandoned. She's going to be forgotten. She's going to be betrayed. She's going to be called the devil. She's going to be alone. She's going to feel different. She's not going to feel like she fits anywhere she goes. Father, when I go to earth, don't just take my life. Don't just let me save them from hell. But Father, let me drink of their every sorrow and sorrow. For every woman knows that unless a man knows her heart, there's not a real marriage. But Father, if you'll let me know her heart, my bride's heart. She'll be smitten. I'll take her breath away. She'll know I really love her. And there's nothing she won't do. That's what it means to know Jesus. To know that He suffered before the portals of time were ever open so He could be your husband. 
Just go ahead and ask him if you want to marry him. It has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with the first Adam is a living soul. That means a receiver. And the second Adam is a life-giving spirit. Would you receive the life-giving spirit as your husband? Would you ask him to be your head and you be the heart? Would you ask him to heal your emotions so that they work properly the way that he created them? Would you give him everything that you are? All of your sorrows, all of your suffering. Thank you, Father. Chuck, do you happen to have a song in the back that is, um, I'll see if this one will play.
I dare you, says the Lord. Come on, open your heart to me. Give me your heart. Give me whatever your obstacle is. I'll take it. I'll remove it out of the way. Because I love you as you are right now. I love you 100% as you are right this moment. I love you as you are. So be loved. You are the beloved. It is your job, says the Lord, to be loved outrageously. It is why I chose you. That is why I set my love upon you. That you would live as one who is outrageously loved. That you would receive a radical love. So radical. It will blow all your paradigms of what you think love is. And no says the Lord, I will love you outrageously all the days of your life. Because I don't know how to be any different. This is who I am. And this is who I will always be. This is the I am that I promised you. I am he that loves you outrageously. And you may love me back with the love that I give you. You may love me back outrageously with the outrageous love that I bestow upon you. And know this says the Lord, you can only love me as much as you love yourself. So my love comes this evening to set you free from yourself. To set you free from how you see yourself. To set you free from the smallness of your own thinking about yourself. My love comes to set you free from rejection and from shame and from low self-esteem and from despair and from abuse. Because when I look at you, says the Lord, I see something that I love. I see someone that I can love outrageously. And I have so much to bestow upon you, so much to give you, so many places to take you in my heart. But you can't go there unless you allow me to love you. And my love for you will break every barrier, bring every wall crashing down. And know this says the Lord, my love damages fear. My love hates fear. My love will fight fear. It will fight fear in you. It will fight fear around you. And if you have fear this evening, says the Lord, then know that you have a treat in store. Because my perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear where I am present. Because my love casts out fear. Beloved, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. And in my love, I want you to feel good about yourself. beautiful that God loves us that way. He's not waiting for you to get good.
He's not waiting for you to do something. And the power that you need to heal really is already inside of you. It doesn't come from an outside source. The kingdom of God really is in you. And it really is through your emotions. And for those that aren't able to receive that yet, that's okay. I'll just keep pressing in and praying until they're able to receive the whole truth because the emotion is the blood. And that's where the power is. If anybody wants prayer, I'm happy to pray for you. But I, you know, I'll pray for you because you want me to. But you don't need me to. I want you to know that. But it's my honor to pray for you and to love on you and to impart whatever God's given unto me. Um, I would ask if anybody does want prayer that uh, Pastor would just put some kind of soft music on. Um, I don't know that uh, God will move in any particular gift. Sometimes He does, sometimes He don't. But, you know, one of the things I've learned is just expect God to be God and I don't have to put any, um, any format around what He's going to do. You know, most of the time when signs and wonders and miracles show up, nobody's even looking. I find out afterwards if they happen. I really do. People call me back and tell me. I'm grateful. And I like it when I get to see them, but I'm not always the one that gets to see them. You know, I ask God, I said, God, what is all this gold dust? And what is the jewels showing up? And what is the feathers? What does that mean? And he told me, he said, the oil is the emotion that the church is about to receive. And the jewels are them. You're the jewels of God. You are his jewels. The feathers represent freedom and mysteries unveiled. And the gold dust is the purity when you believe that you're already loved. When you believe that you're loved, your heart's pure. See, it's the righteousness of Abraham was when he believed the impossible. And when you see your true self and all your judgments, you figure out, oh my gosh, I'm not lovable. Father, according to my own definition, I'm really not lovable. I'm everything I ever judged my daddy to be, everything I've ever judged my mama to be, everything I judged my siblings to be, everything I judged my husband to be, everything I've judged my wife to be, every enemy I've ever judged, I'm already all that. But you love me anyway? Yes. That's believing the impossible. That's true righteousness is when you believe your love while you see your wretchedness. Because if you think you have a reason to be loved, you think it's you or something you did. But you've got to see the, the, the fullness of your fallen nature to receive the fullness of the love of God and that destroys all fear. Because if God loved you when you were nothing and at your worst, surely He loves you when you know who you are. See, that's how it does it. That's how it gets rid of all the fear. is by showing you there's nothing you can do to make him stop hurting you. Nothing at all. Thank y'all for letting me come and pour my heart out. You, this is my joy. To speak to my body. And to be a part and to be celebrated as a part of the body of Christ. And you know, just when we can feel one another's love. It really is feeling it. Not just knowing it. You need to feel it. You know if you don't feel it in your heart, you don't get it in your brain. It don't go there. It only goes here. It only goes to your intellect. But if we can get it into our emotions, it actually goes to your amygdala. And you're not double-minded anymore. We need to cry out and ask God to put it in all of our brain. Not just part.
and that God would give us the freedom to go into our emotions full force. And, you know, people ask, no, Angel, why, haven't, why hasn't God taught this yet? It's called the appointed time. And the word appointed time means the bride. That's what it means. If you look up Adam and the male part of Adam, it means the, to remember. And Eve, it means the appointed time. Isn't that neat? Yeah, so thank you, Father.